Welcome back to Nationally Syndicated Price of Business Show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. And I think it's really all of our business, regardless of what you do, uh, to be concerned about what's happening in the media front and, and how media is handled and the challenges that, w- that uh, I think as a nation, and it's certainly not just an American challenge, uh, faces. Danny Katz, she's joining us today. She's an author and a really a very interesting person. I, I enjoyed uh, reading your work, Danny. Uh, you have a very interesting perspective on a lot of these issues uh, that are media-related and media bias-related. Why don't you give us a little bit of background and go ahead and give us the best website for people to get more information as well. Sure. Thanks so much for having me, Kevin. Um, People can learn more about my work at dannycats.com as well as quantumlanguaging.com. My background is as a journalist, um, as someone who was working with words all day, every day. Um, they started to talk to me multidimensionally um, and show me how language was encoded with frequencies that were programming us on multiple levels, psychologically, emotionally, energetically. Um, and I started to start to see the effects of language on um, people in real time as well as on our collective reality construct. So the bulk of my work is teaching people how language programs reality and how to transform reality with language. As a journalist, of course, I'm devastated to see what has happened to the journalism industry, which barely exists anymore. The whole thing has been overtaken by insane amounts of propaganda, manipulation, uh, weaponization of words, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of my work goes hand in hand with understanding how propaganda is operating, um, how to safeguard ourselves from media manipulation, groupthink. Um, that's what my books are about, my courses are about, et cetera, et cetera. Oh. That's interesting. So when I hear you say transform reality through the use of words, sounds very, very Frederick Nietzsche-like. Well, I don't think it's a secret that language is uh, language programs reality. I mean, it's in the Bible itself. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So the social engineers know this very well. They understand how long language functions as reality creation technology. It's also why they go the distance to hide that information for us. Um, Most of us were only taught how language functions as a communication tool, which of course it is. But I've noticed in terms of what I share, you know, I was the lead writer on Plandemic Indoctrination. I've been speaking out for several years about what's been going on, but nothing gets me more censored than teaching people how to empower themselves with language. Um, They really don't like solutions to their shenanigans um, because when we start to understand how powerful language is and we start to employ these tools that I'm sharing, um, then we get to course correct our earthship really quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, the word, you know, uh, you're, you're referring to First John chapter 1, that passage you just referred to was actually in First uh, John chapter 1, not in Genesis. Uh, the word in that it was logos, Greek, referring to Jesus. And so I don't think it was referring to rhetoric. But, uh, yes, uh, we know that throughout history, rhetoric has been uh, manipulated in order to pursue different objectives. Um, I know that, I, and by the way, my own background, I, I, I'm a, I consider myself right of center with a libertarian streak. That's kind of how I would describe myself. We live in a culture where it's so much easier to communicate 
when you know where people are coming from. I'm very critical, though, of both the left and the right when it comes to the use of what I think is just just raw propaganda and individuals not doing the serious work of determining what is true and what isn't true. And I think there's a lot of truth on all sides ideologically, but uh, everyone operates with tunnel vision. They wear blinders and are very philosophically driven. I mean, the, the whole echo chamber is on steroids. That's a bipartisan problem. That's not uh, a Republican or Democrat problem. Um, and so, but when I see your, your work, your book, you, your work is discussed more in conservative circles, just as the left has their people that they like to refer to who have criticism about media bias. Um, do you see it primarily as a, a, as a Democrat or liberal problem, or do you see it as something that does transcend party and ideology? Um, I, I also don't identify um, with political polarities. I think they're in, incredibly damaging. Um, and I don't think that my work necessarily speaks more so to, to a right-wing audience than a left. In fact, my most recent book, The Language of Betterarchy, I really went the distance to make um, it palatable to all perceived fictional sides. Um, I agree with you. The problem is coming out of both alleged sides. The problem is oligarchy. The problem is this outdated hierarchical system that has us believing that there have to be losers for there to be winners. Now, of course, because of the stronghold that the left has nabbed for themselves in the media, um, some of those voices can be louder in terms of identity politics, woke ideology, et cetera, et cetera. But both, quote unquote, sides are using dehumanizing, um, demonizing languaging, are using ad hominems, um, are sidestepping issues to attack one another's character. I think we have, you know, the issue is with the larger political discourse, which is taking place within a hierarchical con construct that we've outgrown. Um, within hierarchy, because there are always going to be losers, we're always jockeying for position. Um, we'll never find resolution within that system. There will always be these perceived sides pitted against one another. So I agree with you. Um, it's not like one side is better than the other. It's time for us to evolve out of this fiction of sides altogether. And yeah, yeah, I, I see the current immigration debate, and you have uh, Trump supporters that uh, – you know, are, have, are not honestly saying, hey, it's not in our best interest to pass something like this now because that takes away a powerful football for uh, Republicans going into November. I'm like, well, well, at least back in the old days, you were opaque about that kind of language. Now they're overt about it. And the Democrats do their own thing. It, it, it's just the most recent and obvious example, uh, you know, and, and criticizing, letting 5,000 come in daily when we have up to 50,000 coming in daily now. I'm, I'm like, can we get some progress on an issue like this? It's, it's just so bizarre, bizarre. At some point in our history, um, you know, we had this, this somewhat of a consensus view. It's never been perfect. We're always romantic about the past, aren't we? But we had this idea that they were the enemy, and they being someone outside of this country, to where now it is bloodthirsty on both sides where both sides perceive the, t the others as the enemy. And, and uh, George Washington, uh, Georgetown, rather, the university does an annual survey about American div div uh, divisiveness, 
And uh, over 60%, over 70%, I think, in the last survey, think the U.S. is on the brink of a civil war, be it literal or figurative. That's pretty scary. Absolutely, but they're trying to drum that up through propaganda. Like, they're seeding, they're seeding a civil war by talking about it. Um, as far as any perceptions of an enemy existing without, I mean, that's all illusion, right? Um, I mean, if we dig deep, the issue is the intelligence agencies. If we dig deeper, the issue is going to be the secret societies, the fact that we're still tied to the crown. I'm starting to wonder if the American ideal wasn't a fiction from the get-go. But yes, we all bought into that fiction um, in the past, but we have been... Uh, being eroded from within for a very, very long time. Um, it's just becoming more overt now. We're, we're just becoming more aware of it now. So it sounds like, unless I misunderstand you, that the bigger problem is deeper and darker conspiracy issues that aren't even discussed at all, that kind of the underpinning of these problems. I mean, I'm leery of the word conspiracy, given that it's weaponized to demean and to shut down intelligent discourse. The fact that, you know, it, it hit the larger landscape um, after the Warren Commission decided that, yes, Lee Harvey Oswald killed Kennedy just by himself. So I'm, I'm a little bit leery of using the language of our would-be oppressors. Um, and as a journalist who digs deep into what's really going on, Yes, what, what is really going on is hidden beneath the surface of lies and artifice. And that's why so much of this divide and conquer stuff is happening to distract us with fighting um, amongst ourselves in, instead of turning our attention to the larger systems and the entities behind those systems who truly do not have our best interests in mind. Okay, so everyone who advocates conspiracy theories, which I have a few of my own, I don't think they're that interesting, though. <laughs> but everyone who advocates that hates the word conspiracy. What word would you use? Um, well, I don't hate anything because I don't direct any sort of oppositional energy towards that which doesn't resonate with me. I, I call it deep truth. Um, you know, as a journalist who's been an investigative journalist my entire adult career who has a master's degree in journalism, um, I find it very insulting when the conspiracy theorist phrase is tossed my way because I'm simply doing my job. Yeah, but in reality, there are conspiracies. You don't think conspiracies exist? I do, but as I said, because that word has been so highly weaponized, I tend to steer clear of any weaponized words. I don't really wield the word privilege. I don't use the C word that, you know, rhymes with COVID. I don't use weaponized language because I understand how damaging that is to the collective. So I can't unknow what I already know. So there are certain frequencies that I don't want to be articulating in my own body because that's only empowering those larger constructs. I, I call it deep truth. Yeah, I'm, of course, every side, every side calls their side the truth, right? Yeah, again, I'm not with, really in the side conversation. It's not necessarily <laughs> my paradigm. You're a very um, hard interview, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, this is a very difficult interview because it's, it feels like we're playing more like uh, 
some kind of strange chase game rather than actually talking about this. Who were you a journalist for? Or who are you a journalist for? What kind of publications or sites do you typically write for? I know my, my audience, I'm already going to be getting emails asking that uh, because of some of your answers, which, again, I have no problem with it. It just makes it a interesting. It makes it a little challenging uh, for discussion. But who have you written for? I see the Daily Caller, which I consider one of the most right-wing of all websites, founded by, uh, you know, Tucker Carlson. Uh, but who else are, are, uh, likes your work? I've never written for the Daily Caller. So uh, part of me is wondering if, if, if you're interviewing the right person because I haven't written for the Daily Caller. Um, and I don't have a Oh, I'm sorry. Down, I said I you were liked. You were liked by the Daily Caller is what I actually said because they are oh, quoting I, your I, work. I, I, I wasn't aware of that. that. That's news to me. Okay. I didn't know that. Um, so back oh, okay. when I, I, I apologize. I wrote for the Los Angeles Times, the LA Weekly, Santa Fe Reporter, Vice, Teen Vogue, Salon, Nerve, Reality Sandwich, KPFK, Pacifica. Um, as I said, I've been ejected from established journalism, which has been co-opted. Most recently, I wrote a documentary called Plandemic Indoctrination. Got it. And I may have misquoted on the Daily Caller. I need to double check my source on that. So I don't want to say something that I know is not true, even though the truth is sometimes hard to get to. I definitely don't want to say something that's not true. Um, really appreciate my uh, my time with you. Time is running out. We probably needed a couple of hours because of the, uh, uh, you know, just really to cover. There seems to be a lot more here than we're going to be able to cover. Uh, but I do appreciate your time. Please give your website one more time as we wrap it up. And why don't you just give one? My, my experience in, in doing radio for 20 plus years is that the more websites we give on the radio, the less likely they'll go to any. So just give the one that you think is the best for them to find out more about you and your work. DannyCats.com Yeah, I think that's true. D-A-N-I katz.com. Danny, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Have a great day. You too. I am Kevin Price. This is the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. Stay tuned for more after this.